Hi, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcasts 360. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360. In 2020, it was estimated that 1.8 million Americans were incarcerated in state and federal prisons as well as local jails. That number is much lower than the estimated value from 2019, meaning that there is a multitude of individuals returning to the community. And with that comes the need to know about medical care provided inside facilities and what is needed to provide continuity of care after incarceration. With me today to talk about this important topic is Dr. Gloria Bachman, who is a professor of obstetrics and gynecology, professor of medicine, and associate dean for women's health at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. She is also the director of the Robert Wood Johnson's Women's Health Institute, medical director of the Proud Gender Center of New Jersey in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and chair of the Health Committee of the New Jersey Commission on Women's Reentry. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Dr. Bachman. To start, can you give a general overview of what correctional medicine entails? And what does a typical day look like for you? One of the false thinking processes of most clinicians is that we are not involved in the care of incarcerated individuals, but in actuality, even if we don't work in a prison system or a jail system, that 95% of incarcerated individuals actually come back into the re community, return to the community. So we are involved in the care of incarcerated persons upon their re-entry. And why it's so important for us to understand this is because incarcerated individuals do have higher rates of various infectious diseases, uh, chronic medical conditions, and of course, trauma, the post-traumatic uh, trauma that happens actually before incarceration for many of them and during incarceration. And so what I like to always tell every medical student who I speak to and every colleague is that all of us should be prepared to care for individuals who may not be incarcerated at the time we see them, but may have been incarcerated previously. Absolutely. I think that's a, a really good distinction too. You brought up the mental health, um, um, mental health impacts either before or after um, you know, incarceration. And I think that's probably an important point. Um, so in your personal day-to-day, -day, you focus more on women's health in correctional facilities. Uh, so what are the healthcare needs of incarcerated women specifically? What I see in incarcerated individuals is they indeed do have more health concerns, more health issues than uh, most women that we see in a community practice. For example, there's more infections in uh, this population, more chronic diseases. We see more hepatitis, more HIV AIDS, um, more of the sexually transmitted infections. We also see more tuberculosis. That there's also more chronic illnesses, the heart disease, the diabetes, the cancer, even the asthma, because many are smokers uh, before they come in. So we have more pulmonary issues. Um, there's even a higher rate of stroke in these uh, individuals. 
And most important, because so many have had both pre-incarceration trauma and incarceration-based trauma, as well as being in a prison system, which in itself is trauma, we see a lot more mental health issues that we have to address in this population of individuals and really direct our care to trauma-informed care so that we're, we're taking into account the stressors that these women have had both pre-incarceration, during incarceration, and the actual being incarcerated um, that adds to their mental health stresses. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so when these women uh, re-enter society, it is expected that they maintain the level of care that they had received while incarcerated, which you said focused more on the trauma. Um, so what are the healthcare needs of this population of women after they re-enter society? The first thing that every clinician should ask an individual is have they been incarcerated? Just as we ask, is there domestic violence in the house? Are you safe in your home? Do you, do you feel unsafe in your home? I think that as more and more individuals re-enter the community, we have to ask them, have you been incarcerated? Because one of the ways that we talk about mental health and mental health wellness is we actually talk to the women about how do you explain to someone? How do you explain to your clinician to your nurse practitioner, to your doctor that you've been in prison? How do you explain to the community when you meet someone in a supermarket that you have been incarcerated for the last six years? So to bring up the topic is the first thing that I truly think is, is the, the breaking down barriers for us to, to be able to take best care of the individual in front of us who may have been incarcerated for a short period of time or for a long period of time. And I also believe that we should be delivering trauma-informed care for all of our previously incarcerated patients. And there's four principles of trauma-informed care, and we call them the four R's, realize, recognize, respond, and resist re-traumatization. So that if an individual, if a woman comes in and says, I've been incarcerated for the past six years, you don't go, oh my goodness, wow, what did you do? Rather, I understand that this has been a traumatic experience for you. How can I assist you in overcoming some of the mental health issues that you may have had from being incarcerated? So the, the first approach is the four R's, the, the, the trauma-informed care that realize that many incarcerated women have had pre, post, and during other the incarceration trauma. Make sure that you recognize it and ask all the appropriate questions, respond to their needs, and resist re-traumatizing the individual. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so how do you personally, as a healthcare provider, ensure continuity of care, um, like you said, during and after incarceration? Continuity of care really depends on making sure that we get as many medical records as we possibly can from the site where the um, individual had been incarcerated, the, 
the continuity of care so that we make sure that we have all of the medical records. If we don't, it truly is important to do a thorough evaluation to get baseline values, to do a sexually transmitted infection workup, make sure that you test for tuberculosis, for HIV, AIDS, for hepatitis, make sure that you do all the blood work to rule out diabetes. Of course, we all do blood pressure, but making sure that we care for the cardiovascular wellness of the individual, screening for cancer, pulmonary screening. Because of the immobility, some have arthritic issues. There's also the obesity issue, the, the overweight, the obesity, because again, the, the lack of activity, the diets in, in prison sometimes are very high in carbohydrates. So you add the inactivity with the high caloric intake that there is a lot of um, that issue, those issues in the incarcerated population being overweight, being obese. They may have had injuries or, or violence during the incarceration as well as before it, but, but during as well. So making sure that we screen them for that. And again, because there's so much smoking and tobacco use, um, making sure that, that we give them the appropriate counseling for that. But the most important umbrella over all of these interventions is to really understand that so many of our incarcerated and our re-entry incarcerated individuals have had trauma and that we really keep that in the forefront of how we, we talk to the individual. And it's not just us, but it's our, our, our practice as well, making sure that it's a welcoming practice and that we are there for that individual that we will continue to care for that individual when we understand that they've been incarcerated and that our, our access to them is 100% and that we welcome them in our practice. Great, absolutely. It kind of sounds like um, bias might take precedence in a couple of these situations. Um, can you talk a little bit about that maybe widespread or just what you've seen in your experience? Many individuals face bias, face structural racism, uh, discrimination, especially when it's known by the healthcare team that they have been incarcerated. And what I always say to everyone is any one of us, myself included, could have made a wrong decision in, in our life could have been involved in something that we, we weren't thinking correctly, and we could have been incarcerated as well, so that, so that any one of us can be incarcerated at any point in our life. And we have to be aware of our own biases, our own implicit bias, our own explicit bias, to be able to take best care of the individual. And this truly applies to those who have been incarcerated. We have to look inward first, to what our implicit, what our explicit biases are and put ourselves into the shoes of that, of that individual, that patient and say, that could have been me, that could have been my family member, that could have been my best friend, that none of us are immune to making a, a mistake in life and forgiveness and acceptance is how we should approach all patients and especially 
our patients who have been incarcerated. Absolutely, I think that's very well said. Um, so as my final question to you, uh, what key takeaway messages do you have for our audience today? The key takeaway message for anyone who cares for patients is always normalize the scenario. So when I see an individual and I want to ask about a sensitive topic, I will bring it up in this way. I will say many of my patients who I care for have been sexually abused. Uh, many have sexual issues. Many have been incarcerated and have had trauma both during it and after the incarceration. Does, have you been incarcerated? Do you have sexual issues? Have you had any of these problems? So that I normalize it rather than saying, have you ever been in prison? Because that's, that's a, a difficult question to answer because you know that the walls will be brought up if you say that. But if you put it in a way that my patients, many of them have had issues from being incarcerated. Can I help you? Have you been incarcerated? So that I'm normalizing it. And that's the one take home message that I think is key. And the second is ask. Just as many of us are reluctant to ask about sexual dysfunctions, many of us are reluctant to ask about incarceration. And as more and more individuals are re-entering communities that with the New Jersey Commission on, on Women's Reentry, we're doing job training, we're, we're, we're giving them the tools that they can re-enter the community without additional trauma. And they are being part of our everyday uh, structure of the community, they're, they're, they're part of the community. And therefore we're going to be seeing them as our patients and normalizing it and saying, I, I see you know, patients who come from all walks of life and, I'm, and I welcome you to my practice and that I will give you the care that you need. Thank you so much for speaking with me today and answering all of my questions. And I would like to add that to give a voice to everyone, including those who have been incarcerated, we commenced the Journal of Women and Criminal Justice.